Welcome to the First Team College Football Recruiting Show with former NFL QB Matt Sims, Irish Breakdown Recruiting Analyst Ryan Roberts, and former college long snapper Joe DeLeon. We're back here on the First Team College Football Recruiting Show. Joe DeLeon joined by former NFL quarterback Matt Sims and Irish Breakdown Recruiting Coordinator Ryan Roberts. Today, we've got a very special edition. We've been breaking down high school recruits, but in the world of college recruiting, things are very, very different than they've been in the past. We've got a special Transfer Portal episode, and as we all know, things can change uh, very rapidly in the world of, of college football with the Transfer Portal. So some of these names might change. Some of these guys might decide to go back. There also might be even bigger names that are brought up into the equation, which we're going to bring up at the end. One guy in particular that could change the entire world of college football recruiting as we know it. So we've got a bunch of players, very talented players that we're going to be discussing. Guys, I want to open up the floor uh, before we get into the players that we want to bring up as the top ones to know as of right now is what the transfer portal means for college football and specifically for roster turnover, for building and restructuring your team. And I got to throw this out there that my time playing was very recently. The transfer portal was something that was enacted right at the end of my career. But these new transfer rules that allowed for guys to leave at any point that they wanted getting one free transfer was not a part of my world, but I'm still connected and know enough people that I played with that have used this rule to their advantage to get great opportunities. We're actually going to bring up a Rhode Island guy at some point during the show. But guys, I want to bring up bring up and have this discussion first. And Ryan, let's kick it to you first on the transfer portal and what it means. We see teams like USC that completely revamp their rosters to a point where they're competing for a conference championship game. What, in your opinion, does the transfer portal do for these these teams? Well, I mean, it's a different type of roster construction. You know, it's a different way for a team to build and acquire talents. I mean, I, I think that it is similar to the NFL structure now a little bit. You know, you build through the drafts or you acquire talent from other teams, right? It's a little different, but it has almost become college free agency in a lot of ways. So you're going to see some teams – Western Kentucky has consistently done this the last two years where they bring in a plethora. I think they brought in like 20-something last year, including the, the uh, Bailey Zappies of the world, right? So that, that's their quick fix type of thing. You think about Mel Tucker, who had a rough first season two years ago now at Michigan State, and then last year he gets a big turnover on the roster from a grad transfer perspective, and they're able to have kind of a turnaround season. But then you also see the shortcomings of that conversation too, guys, right? It's like, yes, worked great for a season, but then Michigan State doesn't hit it the same way the next year. And, hey, our young guys haven't been developed maybe as well as they need to. So I think there's some give and take to developing through the high school ranks and acquiring talent. I think you need both now, but I think that teams that are able to balance it properly are going to construct a roster at a much higher higher success rates. So I think it's just a, for me, Joe, and you know, I'm sure Matt's going to comment on it next, but this is a different way to construct a roster. It gives you options, which is not a bad thing, especially for a, a coaching staff or, you know, the, the people behind the scenes that help the recruiting staffs of the world to construct these things. But I just think that we're seeing now there is a sample that is going to be out over the next couple of years, a case study of what is the best way to navigate the transfer portal? Do you go part transfer portal, but still be a team that makes your living off of 
develop in the high school route. I think that that's probably the best way to go, but I think it's just a, a different option for roster construction now more than anything. And I think I find this whole concept just fascinating on, on multiple fronts, right? Just the compounding effect that it has on the entire landscape of college football and obviously kids' professional careers a few years from now. Uh, I also think about the collateral damage that it causes to for kids that are not even in college yet are trying to get their first power five scholarship or get those opportunities at some of these other schools, you know, and if you're signing up to a school late or in the late last, you know, uh, signing day, I feel like now, you know, that is, is going to change a little bit of just how the, the game is played. You know, I think what we're going to see in the high school level, we're going to see guys that go and commit way earlier than they ever have. You start to see it with the QB position especially. I think that will trickle down to every position here pretty shortly uh, to the point where people are committed. They're committed for a very long time and then switch at the last second because of these type of opportunities. I also think, too, that just you're going to see a little bit more like Ryan has alluded to with just you're going to have teams kind of do the Los Angeles Rams type of thing where they have a few key players in key positions, and then they're just going to sell out on the four or five guys that they need to get over the hump to win a championship, to win their conference. And I think that'll be kind of more the recipe that we see of, of most consistently from colleges now going forward. Huge moments of great success with two or three years of a rebuild to get back to that point of success mm -hmm. again. Yeah, and I think it's a great note to talk about too, Matt, for the high school recruiting side of things. I've talked to several high school recruits that they are constantly in conversation with the coaches. And a lot of the coaches, at least from like the Notre Dame perspective, I can speak of, right? right? The Notre Dame coaches bring up these conversations to them directly. Like, hey, we're looking for this in the portal this year, that in the portal. This is what we're not touching in the portal. Because I think it right. is important, especially for the high school kids that are coming in to understand what room am I coming into, right? What opportunities yeah, right. are going to be in front of me? So it's fascinating, man, because I feel like from the high school side of things, from the roster construction side of things, there's so many different ways to talk about this topic. And especially with the NIL landscape, well, I should call it NIL, but it's actually pay for play in a lot of instances the way it is right, right now. Teams are constructing rosters very volatilely, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, right, and right. It's, it's, it's already backfired a little bit for some programs, but for some days, it's crazier like, well, than the stock market at this point. It, yeah, really, it, is. it and, really is. And you know what's really fascinating, too? We're going to be watching some bowl games going forward in the new year where half of the team is gone. And we're going to be seeing guys that are like start of the season as the third string quarterback and he's out there playing. You yes. know, one. I'm going to tune in just for curiosity's sake because that's entertaining to me. You know, it's like, but at the same time, too, wow, just the turmoil each and every year towards the end of the season is a little out of control. Well, it, I don't want to get too far down Joe, a rabbit hole, there. Ryan. I so, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, Joe. I know. We're already nine minutes in. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but Ryan actually did comment on that on the uh, on the Believe uh, Twitter handle. Anyone wants to go check that out? Really good perspective that Ryan provided. But again, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. As we know, <laughs> there is a massive void of some players on some of these rosters. Is the key important thing to bring up? And I want to start things off with our first player that we're bringing up, Amari Gainer from Florida State, uh, linebacker. Redshirt junior currently, and he is six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Gainer is somebody who I remember from our draft evaluations with somebody uh, and discussions with somebody that was brought up for this upcoming cycle. And there are a lot of guys 
that were projected to be a part of the 2023 class that actually decided to go back and hop in the portal. I think of Jaheim Bell, Austin Stogner, and here we are with Amari Amari Gaynor, who's one of those big names, a premier linebacker that's going to be on the market for teams. Ryan, I want to head to you first because I know you were excited to talk about the other thing. Uh, With Gaynor, what, what do we need to know about him? Yeah, I mean, Gainer is a really interesting football player because, I mean, at 6'3", 225-plus pounds, he's done a little bit of everything for Florida State. You know, they've played him a little bit at will. they played him a lot at Sam. They've even played him on ball a ton. And honestly, I feel like he was misused a lot by the Seminole coaching staff, and I don't think that his strengths were highlighted as well as they could have been at times because they were just asking him to do a lot of different things, and he never really got the – the comfort and just kind of doing one or two things really well. He was just doing a bunch of things at a solid, uh, solid rate. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to test his options because I just think that there's not a, there's not a cohesive understanding for how he fits into the Florida state defense. So, I mean, technically Joe, he's a fifth year player because we've been talking about him in draft circles now for two years. Right? Yes. I mean, like we thought that he was gonna be a part of the 2022 now 2023 and now eventually he's gonna be part of the 2024. So I think a team has the opportunity to get a really physical explosive Sam linebacker that can also play a little bit on ball and do some of those things from a pass rush perspective. But I mean, the physicality, the length, the athleticism, there's a lot of tools to work with. It's just about getting him comfortable in what your defensive scheme is. Yeah, and I mean, in your opinion, Ryan, you just think that he's a guy that should be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage more often than what Florida State does? Yeah, I, I think that he, he's a tricky eval, honestly, for me, Matt, because with the game going where it's going, where so many teams run more sub-package than base nowadays, right? Like, I think in traditional sense, like five to ten years ago, in a 4-3 defense, like, this is your 4-3 Sam linebacker that in under front and over fronts, like, can come down and play on ball a little bit, right? Like, he can do those types of things. In the game right. today, I feel like he's going to have to find a spot where maybe he can play a little bit of Mike on base downs, but I really do like the opportunity of kind of using him as an inbox player, but then also on some sub packages on those types of opportunities. Then you can bring him on ball and get some pass rush opportunities out of him. Yeah, I think the main thing to keep in mind, right, you know, he's going back to college for one simple reason. The people like in his team and in the research that they have done came to the conclusion that his draft status was not to the level that they thought it was worth leaving at this moment. Um, And I think, too, with the fact of NILs and all that stuff, maybe softens the blow of staying in college for one more year. Right. Um, And I think Ryan is hitting it on the head. I think he's someone that needs to find. Uh, a home that allows him to utilize his skill sets. I see him just like what Ryan said, almost as a guy that really should be kind of like uh, a, a rush end slash linebacker more consistently um, and, and have more of an impact like a Micah Parsons type of football player where we know he's labeled as a linebacker, but maybe does a, a few more things at the line of scrimmage with his athleticism and size. Um, so that that's my take. And I think it's really him just trying to prolong his college career to get a higher draft uh, position for next season. Speaking of another guy that, that might have been a bit misused, Asan McCullough from Indiana, who is an outside linebacker. He was listed as an edge recruit. But as we know, for the Hoosiers, they used him all over the place. Yeah, this is a six foot five, two hundred and twenty-five pound linebacker who might have bulked up since he came in, but he, he is a, a young kid, a freshman this past year, a former four-star recruit. One of the more odd signings, I will say, in terms of uh, recruits during his cycle, because he did end up as a four-star. He ends up at Indiana, 
And now he's hopping into the portal. And there's a little bit of a, a, a number of guys that kind of fit this description of maybe regret on deciding to take a chance on a smaller program and then now testing the market for a bigger team. And Ryan, you have a point on McCullough? Yeah, I got, I got a little backstory for you, Joe. So he was a, like you said, he was, a, I think he was a consensus top 100 recruit. I think the number 61 player by 247, if I remember correctly. So the whole backstory of how he ended up in Indiana is that his father is Dylan McCullough, who is the running back coach now at Notre Dame, who was at Indiana previously. So Deshaun was the, I believe, the highest recruit that Indiana has ever signed. I mean, he was, I think, believe at a yeah. top 50 or maybe on one of those. Uh, recruiting platform so he originally went because that's where his dad was coaching his dad's now at Notre Dame so there's a kind of a tug and pull of you know is he gonna end up at Notre Dame Ohio State which was actually where he was originally committed to before he flipped to Indiana so Ohio State's in the mix Notre Dame's in the mix and then he also has a younger brother named Dai McCullough who's in the 2023 class of safety who Oklahoma's making a big push at. So there's some conversation of, are they a package deal to go to Oklahoma? So it is a fascinating backstory to watch this where Deshaun McCullough goes. Matt, watching him, are there any things that stood out to you or just in general on, on McCullough that, that maybe fans, there seems like there's a lot of options out there, but wherever he ends up that, that fans should be aware of. Yeah, I mean, really right there, just you said it there in the beginning. His measurables are just something that you just don't see every day. And that size and that length and that ability on the defensive side of the football is extremely important. You know, I think Ohio State and Notre Dame, you know, if I were him, I understand his father is there at Notre Dame. But as far as just being taught how to play the position, right, I would say that Notre Dame would definitely be up there as far as a place to go because I do believe in that coaching staff, that defensive side of the football. I think they are going to be one of those programs going forward that really understands how to get the most out of their athletes and how to develop football players, you know, in the transfer portal, but also starting from their freshman year all the way through their career. So, you know, I would see him being a great fit in that Notre Dame program and then being able to use him in a multitude of ways to utilize his athleticism. Yeah, and I know that Notre Dame is making a push, obviously, with the ties that they have. And then also another backstory that I forgot, Joe, was that when Deshaun McCullough was originally committed to Ohio State, his main recruiter was Al Washington, who is the, now the defensive line coach at Notre right. Dame as well. So there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of ties to Notre Dame. There's a lot of ties to Ohio State. There's also ties to Oklahoma if Dae McCullough ends up there. So it's going to be an interesting kind of tug and pull. But I mean, to Matt's point, Indiana used him in a lot of different roles, and I know you mentioned this as well, Joe. I mean, he played some off ball. He was on the edge a ton. This kid is an on ball player, in my opinion. This is a drop ends, Viper, whatever system you run, this is a pass rusher. With that length, with that explosiveness, that twitchiness, that looseness, there's a lot of upside as a outside track type of kid. And I think that some team is going to get a very talented player, Deshaun McCullough. Coincidentally enough, I know big coincidence here on this show with uh, some slight <laughs> Notre Dame bias. Uh, our next guy's actually been brought up a ton as a possible a future member of this Notre Dame team. And that's quarterback Devin Leary from NC State. We know that he's six foot one, two fifteen, decent size. He is an upperclassman. This past season was a redshirt junior. Now Leary's been battling some injuries. A former New Jersey great uh recruit. He was extremely talented coming out of out of New Jersey. And I think we're all maybe a little bit familiar with with the production that he's had down in South Jersey, but in his time at NC State, he was so good that he was being discussed 
And we even took time to bring him up as a potential and likely highly drafted kid in the 2023 class. He has a good start to the season, but suffered a significant shoulder injury that might impact his potential destination and on how teams are going to evaluate him. But nonetheless, you're getting a talented player with Devin Leary. Matt, as our quarterback expert, what do we think of Devin Leary? Is this somebody who uh, could step in and start right away at an even bigger program than NC State? Yeah, I definitely believe that he has the ability and the capabilities, right, to step into a big program uh, that's demanding a lot of that position and perform well. Um, you know, he is maybe slightly undersized compared to, you know, who falls in love with the QB position of being that big, tall, you know, strong statue back there. But, you know, he's 6'1", uh, just under 200 pounds, and he's a athletic quarterback that knows how to play the position, has a ton of experience, throws the football well on the run, makes good decisions routinely. You know, these are all things that just, again, they're, they're great great just like checks of the box for him at that position and you know when you're looking at a player like this you're looking at him to start immediately you know and I think Notre Dame like is a interesting one because of now Drew Pine entering the portal which I was shocked by because he I thought was a lifelong Notre Dame type of guy um but you know, it is really interesting. I know. I'm sorry, Ryan. I don't really know everything about Notre Dame like you do, but just he he came across no, just, as a as a Matt, Notre Matt, Dame type of guy. But um, Matt, Matt, remind, remind me after the podcast. I have a good uh, true right. backstory. <laughs> How can you do our fans like that? But um, you know, I I do think that Leary is a solid quarterback that we should expect big things from him next year at another program, and that he is fully capable of taking a program you know on his shoulders, no pun intended, with his injury and performing well next season yeah I mean he was one of the best high school players I've ever seen I mean I think that he was the all-time leading passer coming out of the state of New Jersey I believe he went to Timber Creek if I remember correctly and he was fantastic yes, obviously there so I mean Matt I I, I think that I, I'm just going to reiterate a couple points that you made that I think are 100 percent on on point there right like he is a very accurate good decision maker arm is sufficient he can push the ball down the field when he needs to he can throw on mm -hmm. the run a little bit of a smaller quarterback, but there's, I mean, as a college player, I mean, we forget two years ago, he threw 35 touchdowns, only five interceptions. Like he was one of the right. best quarterbacks productive production wise in all of college football. The, the injuries are an interesting one, especially when you're kind of putting it into the Notre Dame conversation, right? Cause Notre Dame's in the portal right now, mostly because the guy that they thought was going to be their long-term future and their starting quarterback got injured and is, has some injury bug to him as well. Right. So now you're talking about Devin Leary that has, not only the ACL injury in the in the past, but now he has the shoulder peck thing that's happening on his throwing side of, 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 of his body now. So you're talking about a kid that's now had an upper and lower body injury. So it's a little bit of a muddy situation. I mean, you, know, you know, but hey, injuries are part of the game. You know, it, sure. you play it long enough, you're going to get banged up a little bit, you know. And, yep. um, you know, it, listen, it's just it's part of it. He's a young man still. He's he's a, a really good football player, and whoever's going to get him is landing, you know, someone that is going to be super consistent at the toughest position on the field, you know, and that's really yeah. just the main goal. You got to affect yeah. your one and two deep in the transfer portal. Well, one thing I find funny about the situation, not to to cut you off, Ryan, but yep. uh, the some of the things that you kind of hear with Leary, and I brought this up, is that there are those injury concerns like we're talking about right now. And that might take some teams out of the discussion. And it's funny that we're 
treating this like an NFL free agent, like where you need to come in and pass your physical in order right. to get that, that deal that's being offered to you. I think it's different, though, that we need to bring this up, that you could take a flyer on a kid like Devin Leary. You could bring him in and say, hypothetically, there is an issue where he's not able to play right when the season starts or something along those lines that holds right. off his 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 uh, his recovery from the injury. You're just taking a flyer on him. You know, you don't like it's not like the NFL where you're committing a roster spot and a portion of your salary cap to a veteran player. You might bring him in. It might not work out. And then you got to go down to the next guy on the on the list. So it, it's it's kind of low risk and high upside with a guy like Devin Leary. Yeah. Well, this no, is, is and I, I, yeah. Go ahead. My bad. No, I, I was just going to say it's a good point, Joe, because originally I don't think Notre Dame would have been in the Devin Leary conversation at all because at one point they didn't have a 2023 freshman quarterback to come in, right? So they didn't have as many options. Now that they have more options, I do think that they are more open to the possibility of bringing in a player that does have a little bit of an injury pass, right? So you can gamble a little bit to your conversation piece, right? So I think that whoever ends up with Larry, man, if you can guarantee me that he is healthy the whole season, you're getting one of the best quarterbacks in college football. There's no doubt, but there is some risk versus reward in this conversation, just a little bit. Talking about a risky quarterback though, DJ Uwe Unglele from Clemson uh, has entered the the portal after what we saw in the ACC championship game where Cade Klubnick stepped in and he completely dominated. I don't think anyone was totally shocked that DJ was going to enter the portal. There was some speculation that he might go to the senior bowl, but a tough showing over the, the stretch of November hindered that possibility. And we've kind of got a bit of a Spencer Rattler type situation here where Rattler left Oklahoma. He hops in the portal. He goes to South Carolina as a rusty start to the season. But as of late, Spencer Rattler has revitalized discussions of his NFL draft stock. And DJ Uyunglele is one of those guys that is trying to do the same exact thing. Now, he is a true junior on the field this year. It's going to be a senior next season. Six foot four, 235. He's gotten those Ben Roethlisberger comparisons because he's got the frame. He's got the power. But right now, he's a little bit shaky maybe in his confidence. And Matt... Looking at DJ, what do we think here? Do it, does he actually have a legitimate shot to start somewhere else? Or maybe we passed the, the, the window for DJ to, to get his stuff together. We're not past the window for him to have a successful and continue his career, right? We're not past that point, you know, and we're not past that point with even what's going on in the NFL reigns and the Zach Wilsons and Justin Fields situations and what they're going through in the NFL. You know, we talk about just how complicating and how difficult this position is. DJ has absolutely struggled. There's no doubt about that. He has the raw, you know, abilities and attributes that you want out of a quarterback. Now, you know, the mental leadership aspect of the game, you know, we don't know a ton about that. You know, obviously, you know, every player, you know, you hear different stories and all that. At the end of the day, what DJ needs to find elsewhere is just a group of coaches that start from the head coach and trickle down that just truly believe in him want to take on that that you know revitalization of his career head on with him as if like hey man we're going to do this together we're going to get you on the path that you want to be on you know and and, and really just dive in that way now unfortunately mm -hmm. for him whether he knows it or not no matter who sells you that dream He's still probably going to have slightly a shorter leash no matter where he goes. And that is just kind of the way the way that football is, and especially at that position, you know, and if he's going to a high level program, you know, they're not going to just 
waste games waiting for him to appear. So, um, you know, for DJ, we know all the abilities that he has. We know how talented he is. A reset at another place may be the best thing for him in his career going forward. We see it with pros all the time. Geno Smith is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You know, Jets fans are, are rolling over in their graves right now because they have to watch Geno Smith just like ball out each and every weekend. You know, but it's possible. You know, and Gino had the will and the discipline to continue to work at it. I hope DJ has that same uh, mental attitude and approach to it as well. And there's no reason why he can't have success elsewhere. Yeah, he can. He can definitely recover, in my opinion, man. I think you hit on a lot of the key points, right? I, look, DJ was a former five star. You look at his body type at six four, six five, two hundred fifty pounds, rocket arm, pretty decent athlete too for his size. All the talents there for him to be a successful quarterback in the right system. I think that when he was a sophomore, there was just a lot going against him. You know, offensive line didn't play very well. There was shoddy play calling. And honestly, Joe, like he could have entered this year, just been like a shell of himself and had no confidence. And even though he got, you know, benched towards the end of the season, I think he showed growth. I think he showed some something about him where he can come back and he can show that he can, you know, recoup some of that some of that confidence that he had. And this is, I think, a blank slate for him. There's going to be a lot of suitors, I believe, for DJ Uyunglele because there was a reason at one point he was a former five-star. He's got all the talent in the world. I agree completely with Matt in the sense that he needs to find a group of coaches that believe in him. If they find belief and they put him in the right system, because I think that was another thing at, at Clemson, at least at, during his sophomore year, was they ran that offense a lot like Trevor Lawrence was still behind center, right? Mm -hmm. DJ's a different player. He's a different cat. You need to do some things differently than what Trevor did. And I think that if you find a coaching staff that understands his strengths, some of his limitations, and believes in what he can do, I think that he can still be a very successful player on the college level. That's the big thing for me with DJ. And at the beginning of the draft cycle, I actually thought, and I had confidence too much in the Clemson coaching staff, to make adjustments now that they had a new offensive coordinator and that I believe that DJ was going to have a little bit of a revitalization, but instead I still keep saying this, that that Dabo is one of the most stubborn coaches in college football who refuses to make changes and instead was forcing DJ to play in an offense that was not suited for him. So look, if I'm DJ hop in the portal and go as far freaking West as you can go, come closer (laughs) to home, Go play at a place like UCLA or like Oregon and get that shot. Or heck, Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham is another one that I think is really fun to consider in a a, a place that is offensive-minded and that is going to work with you. Uh, I I have to say, though, I think that Dillingham uh, connection might be one of the best because we saw what Dillingham did with Bo Nix, and that could possibly be a a similar transformation for DJ Uyunglele. Now, a different guy who has a really fun backstory – is Austin Reed from Western Kentucky. We know that Western Kentucky has a little history of uh, producing some highly productive quarterbacks, as they did with Bailey Zappi, who went to the New England Patriots last draft cycle. Now we've got Austin Reed here, who is a grad transfer, six foot two, 230 pounds, was previously a Division II All-American and National Champion at West Florida. And now there's some murmurs that he is might be uh, an SEC quarterback in the near future. Matt, what do we think here about uh, Austin Reed to get another quarterback perspective? Again, I think really the main thing to take away from him is that he has a ton of experience. You know, he's dropped back and he's dissected a lot of defenses from different, uh, you know, leagues. He's he's 
been a part of two different offenses now. So obviously he's been able to retain that information and apply it to the field very quickly. You know, and I think for him, now it's all about him making a big splash at a big school. And I think that's why Ryan uh, heard some of these rumors about the schools that he potentially are going to. You know, it's about him trying to just elevate his draft stock. Like we talked about gains earlier, him trying to get into a bigger market, a bigger pool, and show that he can have that skill and ability at the highest level and then hopefully promote himself and propel himself forward in the draft. But super talented dude, big size quarterback, right? He's like over 230 pounds, excuse me. Um, throws the ball extremely strong down the football field. Uh, maybe a little limited as far as how he moves uh, compared to some other guys, but nonetheless, solid football player, experienced football player, and a guy that you know can come in for one year, hold the ship while they develop younger quarterbacks that take over in the years come. Yeah, I, I really love how natural of a thrower this kid is. You know, like he just looks like he was a kid that's been playing the quarterback position for a long time. And I mean, it's a fascinating backstory to your point, Joe. Like, I mean, again, he's a he's a Division Two national champion in 2020, 40 touchdown passes. 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2019, mm-hmm. 2020, the season gets canceled, comes back 2021, has another really good season for West Florida. Then he comes to Western Kentucky and takes over for what Bailey Zabby was doing. And the offense didn't really, I mean, it wasn't as historic as the year before, but I mean, they still did a lot of great things, obviously, under Austin Reed. And I think there are going to be some SEC opportunities. Can't say anything more than that right now. But I think that he's a player that has a lot of talents. I think there's you know, still some concern from the NFL side of things because he does have a draftable grade from the NFL, which some people thought maybe he would enter the 2023 cycle. But I think to Matt's point, I think that he thinks that he could do better and now go into a higher level to a bigger conference on the Power 5 level. I think he has an opportunity to show people that his skill set can transcend any level of competition. Yeah, and and to go to kind of make that comparison really quickly, Joe, as far as, you know, Bailey Zappi was drafted somewhat early by New England, right? If New England doesn't draft him, probably doesn't get drafted uh, until later on in the process. I mean, let's be honest. There wasn't a lot of teams that had him very high in the list. He's a solid quarterback, and he's going to be a good career backup, right, for New England or wherever he plays, right? And I think that's what he saw at Western Kentucky currently, that – I am a good player. I'm doing extremely well. But if I want to be potentially that guy that gets drafted in the first three rounds that teams actually give me an opportunity to be the the cornerstone over an, or of an organization, I need to di- dive into that SEC pool potentially and be a leader of one of these football teams and, and dominate on the highest level. Because we all say that, hey, at the end of the day, NFL scouts will find you, but if you dominate at the SEC or at Ohio State or in the Big Ten, there there's a high probability that you're going to be a first or a second round draft pick, and you know have at least five years in the NFL to figure it out. Now Austin Reed is going to be a really highly sought after kid, and then experience is definitely going to help him. What we always get with the transfer portal, and it happens every year, we get FCS guys. We get guys that come from the FCS level that hop in the portal that are looking for an opportunity to jump up to a bigger program to earn themselves recognition, kind of like what we were talking about with Reed here. And ironically enough, we've got a Rhode Island player that fits that description. And he's actually right now the most highly sought after FCS guy, and that is uh, a Johnny Cornelius 
from the University of Rhode Island, big, long kid, six foot five, 310 pounds, was a sophomore this past season. And I was watching him because he, he follows me on Twitter. I follow him because of that roadie connection. And I kept just kind of seeing his Twitter like, oh, he, uh, great, another offer. That's awesome. Love to see it. And in my time at Rhode Island, we had every single year I was there, we had a different kid leave and transfer that was an offensive lineman that moved on to a bigger FBS program. And I was thinking it was going to be like a Cincinnati or something along those lines. But here we are. We've got Cornelius getting offers from from massive SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12 programs. And it's very likely that he, again, might be one of the most highly sought-after offensive linemen in this year's class because of the traits that he brings to the table. And, Ryan, you were telling me beforehand this week that you've done an evaluation on Cornelius. Just from your perspective, what are some of the things that you notice about him? Does he follow you back on Twitter? He, he didn't follow me. Back. He does. I'm a so lot cooler pretty, than you. Yeah. Pretty disrespectful, man. Pretty disrespectful. But no, nah, I mean, Joe, I actually watched him a couple weeks ago at this point, even before he jumped in the portal, because, you know, I'm just always trying to find those kind of diamonds out there, right? And he's a, like you said, 6'5, 310 pounds, good size, good length, pretty good athlete, too. Started at right tackle for Rhode Island this past season, but I think the run game right now is where he really makes his hay, man. He's a powerful kid. Pretty explosive out of his stance. And there, I think there's still a little bit of rawness to him. But I think what you're seeing is that the SEC schools of the world that are taking a look, the Power Five conferences just in general, they see a very talented football player that with the right coaches can really take a massive step forward. And he is – I mean, I would, I would venture to say that he's probably gotten the most offers of any player that I've seen just kind of from the reported offer perspective. Like he is – a plethora and I feel really good about these types of situations too I mean because I don't know his recruiting background but usually the FCS guys were overlooked or underappreciated for x y or z reason right so seeing a Johnny Cornelius get a lot of opportunities I think a team's going to get a really talented offensive lineman that if he's developed properly could be a really good football player on the power five level I think that a Johnny Cornelius is a great example of just he comes from one of those untapped markets that's very tough to recruit. He comes from Archbishop Stepanak, which is in New York here. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm around this league. I, I coach QBs that that compete against the school, that play for the school. And it's one of those environments that the New York league that he is a part of, that Catholic football league in New York, hasn't quite get, uh, garnered that, you know, national attention yet. Um, but man, there are a lot of power five football players in this league. And he is just one of those guys that, you know, maybe wasn't quite, you know, big enough his senior year of high school, you know, as far as his weight goes and people are like, you know, we're not going to take a chance at him, you know, now fast forward after, you know, being at Rhode Island. Now people can see, wow, this guy really is dynamic. He really is athletic and we should take a chance at him on that next level. You know, so I think that he is just a product of the environment of being in a New York area that is not necessarily just dominated by a lot of these national schools as often as some other areas like a Florida, Texas or a Cal. California are. Wait, wait, so Joe, you're telling me that New York doesn't have good football. You know, has good football, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Just put okay. All right. All right. All right. All right, Ryan. Thanks for finding a way to take a shot in there. Um, guys, <laughs> the last right. thing that I want to uh, wrap up today's show with, and I know that there's a lot of other talented players in the portal and there's certain guys that are going to be jumping in 
by the time this episode is posted. So if we do miss anyone, it's not that we don't think that they're talented, but that there's just a sheer massive number of them. There's I over a thousand about- of you guys. Come on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, w- I want to talk about something that's a little bit more speculative because there have been it started out as murmurs and now it has turned into full on yells of <laughs> this guy possibly hopping in the portal. Uh, it, for me, it seems very likely because I have heard it from a number of places at this point, as well as it being a part of the, the Twitter rumor mill. And then on top of it, it being brought up on every single transfer portal show that you can see out there. So we got to do our due diligence. We have to talk about this. Drake May, North Carolina's quarterback, who was a Heisman Trophy candidate at one point, ends up falling out just a little bit because of some tough final weeks of the season was still a very talented redshirt freshman starting quarterback for North Carolina. An unprecedented level of play from a North Carolina player uh, and kind of the guy that we thought Sam Howell could have been. He has ascended past that point, and he's already being brought up as a likely top 10 pick in the 2024 NFL draft. He is potentially going to do the unthinkable. We don't know this for sure. It is unconfirmed. However, Drake May, there is a possibility, might enter the transfer portal and might find himself on an SEC roster. So I just want to talk. If this happens, not when it happens, because we don't know for sure, but if this hypothetically happened, if Drake May left and went to a big SEC program, what the hell does this do for the landscape of college football? Because frankly, out of any of the guys that we talked about, this cause causes the biggest, the, 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 the biggest disruptions in all of these conversations because a top player can just hop in, go get his money and go to a big program. Uh, Ryan, you're smirking there. And I, I'm curious to see what we've got from you. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe, I'm just happy that we can finally talk about this, man. Cause I think like two days before the, the news broke, I texted you and said like, Hey, Drake may is probably entering the portal. So it's, it's not a, it's not a very well-kept secret at this point, no. right? Like people, people have the assumption that this is going to happen. And if it does happen, it's going to be interesting because one, every school basically in college football, for the most part, is going to have interest in Drake May. And they already do, if we're being honest. We know how the transfer portal actually works, right? Like the, those conversations are already happening behind the scene just in case he does enter the portal. There's nothing, and, there's no tampering. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. no, tam- tampering doesn't Come exist. Come on. That doesn't I exist. Mean, yeah. we, we have a, we this have a published an interview on this on this YouTube channel <laughs> yes. of, of a specific big name tight end telling us he was tampered with. <laughs> right, right. All, all I'm saying is that, is that most big colleges would have first round picks vacated if they were NFL teams. Mm-hmm. So we'll just leave it at yes. that, right? This stuff happens. We know what happens. Everyone will be a suitor for Drake May. The interesting thing, though, is that we are seeing kind of the pecking order of quarterbacks coming off the board already we've had like phil Dracovic transfer from to pittsburgh we've had um we've had uh who is uh kate mcnamara from michigan is going to iowa we're starting to see some trickle as far as quarterbacks making decisions already because the ncaa decided like hey let's open the portal right before the bowl games that's a great idea let's do that but anyway that's a different conversation for another day (laughs) but the point i'm trying to make is that what happens if a school is kind of keeping that option on the table and then maybe Drake has a change of heart at the last minute and then you did not get a quarterback in the cycle that you really needed a quarterback to get from the transfer portal and it leaves you in an inopportune situation. But just from Drake May's standpoint, Joe, 
we know what this situation's about, right? He's going to be a top 10 pick next year, more than likely, at barring an injury or some type of setback that is unforeseen. And this is an opportunity to go to a bigger market and to profit off of that markets, right? In, in many different ways. So it's going to be interesting to see because there's going to be countless suitors for Drake May because he is that talented of a player. Yeah, I'm curious to see if the school turns out to be Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Uh, I wonder. I wonder about wow. that, you know, because I don't know. I just I feel like that would be a school that would kind of sell out one year to get somebody to bring hype and attention to the school, you know, and to kind of, you know, revitalize that program in, in a certain direction for him, you know, with him. I don't know what your thoughts are. I just as you were saying that I kind of like piqued my interest a little bit as I was thinking about it, you know. So uh, but, you know, for Drake May, super talented football player, you know. All that stuff is great. You know, the projections, all that's fantastic. You know, listen, Matt Barkley was projected in the first round too, you know, a year or two before he actually came out. And then we saw how that took place. Now, listen, he's still playing football, but nonetheless, it's just like, Drake, take care of what you got to do now. Hey, make as much money as you can at the next school that you're transferring to. Good luck to you, but just make sure we're just going to a place that is going to take advantage of your skill set, help you continue to grow at the position, help you continue to grow as a man maturity-wise, right, as far as just taking control of a team and the leadership and then just growing forward as a solid football player that can make a difference in the NFL. Joe, you know what's crazy is I was talking to someone before this all news broke about Drake May potentially into the portal. And we were talking about like, okay, it's a decent quarterback market in the transfer portal this year, but there's no Caleb Williams, right? Like Caleb oh. Williams was the crown jewel. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear the Drake May stuff. You're just like, man, this is a wild yeah. time to follow college football, man. It is the wild west out there. It's a super entertaining some questionable things that happen behind the scenes, but it's going to be interesting to see where Drake May ends up. And just to wrap us up here on this note, quarterback, I think is one of the few positions where, you need to be in a it helps to be in a situation where the supporting cast around you is going to bring you up and right now North Carolina like he's losing his top receiver in Josh Downs and we saw some of the issues with North Carolina's roster that held him back over the past couple of weeks he's probably that's sticking in his head right now like he's probably thinking like hey I need to go somewhere where I'm not going to run into these issues that's got a good offensive line that's good good receivers a good running back that's going to prop me up more than I was propped up already at North Carolina to solidify that draft status. And to I mean, everybody wants to play for that team, you know, and if every quarterback can play for that team, they'll play yeah. well, no matter what the circumstance, you know, and this is something to keep in mind for all the young quarterbacks too. Like, you know, the Joe Burrow LSU situation with all of those football players on that team at one time like that is lightning in a bottle you are not going to see that that often you know the main thing these players need to keep in mind too is just you know obviously maximizing just monetarily you know your opportunity in college you know that's going to be number one of on the list now going forward for a lot of these guys but two is really just do you feel like you're being groomed to become an NFL football player if that's your goal at the position you know, and I think that is the most important question you have to ask all of these gentlemen that you're looking into, you know, in this carousel of quarterbacks is, are you actually being brought up another level mentally, physically, right, emotionally as a guy that can become a great 
quarterback going forward. You know, we saw Jalen Hurts and his progress through college. And man, you know, hey, credit to Lincoln Riley. You know, he helped that guy grow and mature to another level of the position. And now he is reaping the benefits at the NFL level. And Drake is going to have his first pick on where he ends up. Folks, that is going to be it from us. Thank you for tuning in. There's going to be a lot more wild and crazy stuff that's going to happen in the transfer portal, especially with signing day right around the corner. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're caught up to date with everything regarding recruiting. We'll be back with more, folks.